Good morning. You know, as a pre, as a get started, Colossians chapter three is where we're hailing from this morning, and so I will dutifully read the portion, and then immediately abandon it. Nobody even caught that. That was good. Colossians three, um, actually eighteen to the end, and then a four verse one. Wives. Submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. And fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Bond servants, workers, if you will, obey in all things your masters, your employers, according to the flesh, and not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, that's to all the groups that he was speaking to there and writing to all of these groups, husbands, wives, children, employers, employees, masters, servants, all of you, whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. Christ. But he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, give your bondservants what is just and fair, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Uh, I ask you to bear with me as I relearn to preach. This is the first message I've preached since I turned 60. (laughs) All right. Which was just last Thursday. Thank you. And for all of you, the Facebookers, my goodness, I didn't know that thing was would generate that sort of activity. But it took me all day just to read through all those. It was quite flattering, I'm sure. But Father, this morning, it's your word we desire. Holy Spirit, it's your message that we need. I pray that you would exalt yourself in your word, that you will strengthen us as the body of Christ, that you will... Fortify us to live the lives that you've designed for us. Help us to fulfill your calling over each one of our lives individually. And then as you have assembled us together, the body of Christ, guide us into the corporate life, community living that shows the world that we are your disciples because we love one another. Ask these things in and for the name of Jesus and its glory. Amen. Amen. Uh, I want to start telling you a little story, and then the story will appear. About three years ago, mid-June, a helicopter flew a very pregnant and methamphetamine-filled body into Loma Linda. And that mother gave premature birth to a little boy. That little boy's heart stopped immediately. Well, hi there. Look what I got for you. Can you stand on there? Say hi. (laughs) Hi, my name's Camden. No. Camden stayed the night at my house last night. 
Is this kind of funny? Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, three years ago, mid-June, this little guy was born. Hello, Melinda. And uh, he has a very distinct difference than you and I. Uh, how many belly buttons do I have? How, how many do I have? One. I have one. How many do you have? Two. You have two. Can you show them to us? Show us your belly buttons. See, there's one and there's two. This is Camden Joel Breyer. Did you just have a birthday? Yeah. How old are you? Three. I'm three. <laughs> there they are. There they are, all three of them. And a buddy. He'll wander around a little bit, probably. He's cute as can be. I, I call him Frankie, like Frank Sinatra, because he's got such blue little eyes. So Camden was born a little early, and his life was stunted from that point for a couple of years. Lots of medical treatment. The reason for two belly buttons, one was where the feeding tube was for a couple of years. Couldn't eat, couldn't swallow. He had a lot of problems. His heart stopped. They had to restart his little heart right there in the hospital. But God was doing something miraculous, obviously. Now, he's one of uh, his bio mom has had seven or eight babies, of which only a couple have lived. She just hasn't figured out what that process is yet. She just keeps having them, and they don't quite make it. But in Colossians chapter 1, and, what, and I'm going I'm to lead you to say something with me here in a moment out loud that I hope will never leave your thinking or your heart. And I'll give us that sentence in just a moment. Colossians 1.13 says, He, God, has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. God has translated us I think the King James, old King James just said he translated us, which means he picked us up, transplanted us, and then replanted us into his kingdom. He took us out of the kingdom of darkness and put us into the kingdom of his son. Now I can see that I've started a problem. But if I, if I let him keep preaching, I'll never win. Okay. Huh? He can walk. That's right. Bye, Camden. Bye, Camden. God translated us, transplanted us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. And in Romans chapter 8, this is talking about you and I as well. In verse 15, it says, You did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, by whom, that's a person, by whom the spirit of adoption, another name for the Holy Spirit, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. My dear, dear Father, my Papa, if you will. I have that privilege. Camden calls me Papa. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. This morning, as we sat at the breakfast table, I was sharing with Bill and Carrie Hemsley, who are here on their 22nd wedding anniversary. Um, 
we got the food on the table and little Camden dove into his Cheerios and his toast. And, and then I said, I looked up and I thought, I'm the Papa. Hey, let's pray. And he looked at me and he quickly put his toast down. He moved his bowl. He got everything organized. He's kind of like that. He got it all set up and then he reached out and he took my hand and we began to pray. You know, Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for the day. You know, was the repeat and we echoed back and forth until we got to his big amen. And then we charged back into the food. And it hit me how very different his life is today because he's been adopted into Ed and Una Breyer's home. His life is so different. Prayer in that meth home would not occur. Jesus' name would not be lifted up. God's name would be used in vain. In that environment in which he was birthed, life was not looking good at all. But he's been transplanted. He has been adopted. He will now grow up in an environment where prayer is natural, just like breathing, where loving Jesus will be just standard operating procedure, where loving others and being obedient to parents and living a full life will be just natural to him. In fact, it will be so natural to him that he won't appreciate it, right? I mean, he'll just be a kid. And he'll say, you should act different. You're adopted. When we might, we might say, you don't really appreciate where you came from. He doesn't know where he came from. It's not something that's relative in his mind or heart. What he does know is he's living inside of a home where he's loved, accepted, cared for, ministered to, and helped to mature to the fullness of who he should be in Christ. Okay, here's our sentence. We want to say it together out loud. This comes from Dr. Armin Gesswein, and I was going to put a picture up on the wall of he and Billy Graham sitting together chatting because Armin Gesswein is a man of prayer who lived through the Norwegian revivals. He was involved in the revivals in Norway for like 17 years straight, revival in Norway. And then when he came to the States and came alongside Billy Graham, he would lead prayer intercession for the Billy Graham Crusades. So his, his place in history is well set, but quiet. You know, he's the guy that would go along with a team into a city like Los Angeles and pray for a month or two, you know, rent an apartment or something and just pray, 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 and just sow seed in prayer and cultivate the, the realm of the Holy Spirit in a city so that Billy Graham could come and then preach on top of that. You know, Billy Graham just didn't come and preach and incredible things happened out of nowhere. It was this foundation of prayer that brought forth the fruitfulness of his ministry, and he'll tell you that, of course. But Armin was one of those guys in there praying in the trenches. And Armin, I've met him, we've spent some time together, and he looked at me and said, everything's spiritual if you are. Okay, would you say that with me? Everything is spiritual if you are. Now let's personalize it. Everything is spiritual if I am. By this, he's notating for us that there is a spiritual realm in which we live constantly. It doesn't turn on and off. It's not there sometimes and not there sometimes. It's constant. 
around us, there's a spiritual realm that we are deposited inside of. And the Bible says when we were born again, Ephesians chapter 2 said you were dead in your trespasses of sin. That meant your body was alive, your soma, your suke, your soul, mind, will, and emotions was operating. And it was a blank slate, but your spirit was dead through trespasses of sin. When you become born again, Jesus talking to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, you must be born again. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. You must be born again. So when you and I are born again, our the breath of God, the pneuma, and I'm using just these three Greek terms, pneuma is spirit. And if you want, you could draw on your notes three little circles and write in them pneuma, P N. U-E-M-A, Numa, Suke, P-S-U-C-H-E, and Soma, S-O-M-A, Spirit, Soul, and Body. And I just blew my opportunity, Rob, right there. I blew it. I told him I wanted to do this. We're three, we're three in one, aren't we? Built and designed. And so, well, I'll give it a try anyway. Let's say it together. What are the three parts? All at once, everybody together. What are the three parts of who we are? Ready? Go. I knew I blew it. Yeah, it's not going to work. I had it all fouled up right from the beginning. You know, this is, I'm learning to preach again. So I'm 60. What I was supposed to do with you was just get to this point and say, God is triune, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right? In Genesis chapter 1, let us make man in our image. Let's make him like us. We are triune being as well, spirit, soul, and body. But if you walk up to, maybe you could try it this week, walk up to somebody and say, hey, you're a, you're a triune person. What are, the, what are the parts? They'll say, generally, most of us will say out loud, body, soul, spirit, right? And you wouldn't disagree with that, body, soul, and spirit. But it's the exact backwards order. Once you're born again, it's spirit first, and then the soul, and then the body. That's the correct alignment. But it's ingrained in us to accept the old patterns, it's ingrained to us to say, well, yeah, I'm triune, but I'm body first, and then the soul, and then the spirit. Created in his image, we're made to be like him. He adopts us into his family and says, now your, your whole life has just changed. And what was the sentence we said? Everything is spiritual if I am. Thank you, Dr. Gesswine for telling me something that would transform and change the way I see life. Such a simple sentence. We're talking about or trying to connect this, if you will, to Colossians for husbands and wives and children. There's another order in God, husbands, wives, children, ladies. I'm not you know, putting you in subjection. God did that and said that this is the right order. This is how things work. Uh, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, let's just make sure I back myself up so I'm not stoned in the parking lot. <laughs> imitate me just also as I also imitate Christ. Now I praise you, brothers, that you remember me in all things and keep the traditions just as I deliver them to you. But I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ. The head of the woman is man. The head of Christ is God. Here's order in how God makes things work. So the order, 
God is the head of Christ. Christ is the head of man. Man is the head of the woman. They together over the children. Just like Father, Son, and Holy Spirit living in perfect harmony and unity. The triune God. We, I like to think of it as the triunity of God or the community of God. The common unity. Each, each having equal authority, equal weight, equal glory, equal honor. And yet they're not competing for anything. Willing to let the other go first constantly, beautifully in harmony all the time, and we get all of the creation out of them. And then he says, now order your homes like this, husband, wife, children. Live in that perfect harmony and flow that I've designed for you. So everything is spiritual if you are. That means doing the dishes, cutting the firewood, getting up and getting to work on time, doing whatever it is I do at work, pleasing unto the Lord, doing everything heartily as unto him constantly because he is the Lord Christ and all my reward comes from him. I I constantly hold this opinion that if you've got a really crummy job, I mean, you don't like your boss and your boss doesn't like you. Quit serving your boss. Serve Jesus. And Jesus will promote you. He's in charge of it all. Deuteronomy 8.18 says, this is the, it is the Lord God that gives us the power to get wealth. He is the one that's in charge of our design and future. And so if I will serve him under the worst taskmaster, and this is biblical, right? We can look at Joseph. Joseph is thrown into prison. And he immediately just takes charge of the prison. I mean, God blesses him, and the jailkeeper puts the prisoner in charge of running everything because everything he touches is blessed. Everything's working smoothly, and then he's promoted, and he becomes the number one man in Pharaoh, Pharaoh just under Pharaoh, runs the whole, the whole show for years, right? God promotes. So everything I do, I do heartily as unto the Lord. Husbands. We need to love our wives heartily as unto the Lord. Wives, well, I won't camp there. Pastor Rob already did that last week. I think Pastor Rob did a really good job talking about the men and the women, husbands and wives. So I'm not going to try and redo it. But in this order, things work better. Things work differently than the world. And I I realize that as I look around the room, and I know I think a lot of us in here today, that not all of us have the perfect situation. We don't have the ideal. I tend to talk about the ideal conditions. You know, everybody's got, there's a husband, there's a wife, there's kids, and everything's working. It's not the case, is it? A lot of us are just broken and beat up, and, you know, we've been through divorces, or, or our spouses have passed, or we're on our own, or we're single. I mean, we're not living the ideal life in every picture of the word. But God comes in and can do anything he wants with you if you will surrender yourself to him and say, everything's spiritual if I am. The question there that remains is, are you spiritual? Are you? Have you been born again? Have you put the spirit on top? Is it now spirit, soul, and body? You know that the suke, the soul, the mind, the will, and the emotions is just like a, a brand new computer for us or a blank slate, if you'd rather that picture, is that it's just there. 
and it takes directions and develops its memory and its life patterns from its input. So if you put, like in the computer, G-I-G-O, garbage in, garbage out, whatever you put in is going to come out. Uh, you take your blank slate, whatever you write on there, and the only thing that was in charge before you were born again was your body. Your body lived for itself. Your design as a fallen person in a fallen nature was to just satisfy you. Everything was about you. We sing that song about Jesus. It's all about you, Jesus. That's a direct reversal from where you were born. When you were born, you were singing, it's all about me, right? And listen to the music of the world, and you'll hear that. It confirms it. It it pads that. It tells you it's okay to live for you. You should just, you know, the golden rule in the world, in the Bible, it's do unto others as you would have them do unto you. In the world, it's do unto others and then split. Take all you can get. I mean, it's just reversed, right? The kingdoms are antithetical. They fight against each other. But you were born again when you gave your heart to Jesus. You repented of your sin. You said, God, forgive me. Jesus, come into my life. You are born again, according to that same conversation he had with Nicodemus in John chapter 3. And when you were born again, your spirit was made alive in Christ. And now it's on top. And that spirit says, we got to rearrange the soul. Because the soul thinks we do certain things for pleasure because it took all its direction from the flesh. The flesh said, we like to do this. And the soul said, lock that in. We like to do that. That feels good. Whatever it is, drugs or eating too much or pleasure, it, it, your body just said, I just want to do whatever is good for me. And the soul was logging it all in the computer. And so when the flesh says, oh, I feel hungry, the soul says, hunger, okay, what do we know from that? We know from the past we'd like to eat this, we'd like to eat these things, we'd like to get this at any cost. Let's go get the pizza or whatever and the ice cream. For me, it's ice cream. Ooh, it's ice cream. Um, let's go get that and please ourselves. But then the spirit that's been made alive says, wait, you're looking for stuff in all the wrong places. You're just reacting to life. Spirit says, there's joy to be had in Jesus. There's joy to be had in relationships. There's joy to be had in reading the word of God and being in pleasure and in the company of other believers in the family of God. You get more out of that than you get out of your bag of French fries. And the body says, oh, I don't know. And the soul says, I'm a little confused. And the spirit says, well, I am in charge. So let's go do that. You say, let's go to a life group this week. Let's go and be with others who'd love to talk about Jesus and pray and, and fellowship together and be healed together and find pleasure in that. And then coming out of that, the soul says, hey, we got to rewrite some programming here because that was good. And the body jumps up in the morning and says, we need French fries. And the soul says, no, we overwrote that program. We're going to do something different. Am I making any sense? So let's say it again. Everything is spiritual if I am. You've been born again of incorruptible seed. Peter wrote that. First Peter chapter 1 and, and uh, thereafter that we were born of incorruptible seed. That means it's just, it will never go away. It will never go away. Your spiritual rebirth will never stop. You are now living in the kingdom of the Spirit. 
And it's all around you all the time. And everything you do is spiritual if you are. The proper alignment for our life, as I've said, is patterned after God in the triunity and the complete harmony of spirit, soul, and body, just like Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, just like Christ and man and woman or man and woman and children. When you start seeing it, what I'm hoping to do is simply just get us to open a door here in our hearts that says, when I leave here and I get in my car and I stick the key in the ignition and I turn it and I enter the highway, say, now everything's spiritual if I am. Can I tell you a story that just has nothing to do with anything? Maybe we'll find a way to tie it in. That's what preachers do. We'll tell the story, then we figure out, why did I say that? I don't drive the front 18, 330, unless I have to. I just got tired of the raceway. And I had to go to Pasadena last week or so. And uh, I thought, well, saves gas. It is shorter. I'm going by myself. I'll just go slow. And I did. Coming home below one of the passing lanes, the one at Enchanted Forest, if you know it's that, below Running Springs, Two guys had just been just, you know, in the trunk for two miles. And I give them the turnouts all the time. I love to get out of the way now. So I thought, they're catching up with me. These guys are pushing. There's a pile of them coming after them. And I thought, this is going to be perfectly timed. And when we get to the passing lane, I'll just, you know, be in the slow lane, let them all go. By the time we get to the other end, they'll all be past me and I can enjoy my drive. We got to the bottom of the passing lane. I... I had mine on 50, just cruise control. I let it drive itself. I have one of those dangerous cars, you know, heated seats and automatic air conditioning and and cruise control, and you fall asleep at the wheel and kill yourself. (laughs) So, But anyway, I put it on 50, and I thought, just let them all flow on by. Well, the first guy out, it's a Prius. I mean, he hits 50, and he's like topped out. Now we're side and side. And the other 10 of them are like, what are you two guys doing up there? Get this show moving. You know, and the guy right behind us is changing lanes and looking for a way to. I thought, I do not want to play. But I made the wrong decision. The right decision would have been just take the cruise control off, back the whole program up, let them go. But not the old man. (laughs) Somehow he woke up and he thought, I can outrun a Prius. <laughs> Let's go. And the, I mean, the, the guy at the bottom of the in charge chain got on top. The old sarks, actually, not the body. The soma is the body, the flesh. Sarks is the Greek word for the fallen human nature. The thing that pleases itself. Sarks. It even sounds right, doesn't it? Sarks. It's four letters. And everything. And uh, so <laughs> old Sarks woke up. And, man, he stomped on the gas. Notice how I changed my terminology like I'm schizophrenic now. I'm not really part of him. But he, <laughs> he was in charge, man. He stepped on the gas and that little V6, you know, went, <clears throat> and took off. And I thought, I'm just leaving him in the dust. <laughs> Two curves, and it's the rest of the straightaway, and I'm out of there. Second curve. I'm head-to-head with the CHP. He's pointed right at me. I mean, that quick, the light was on, and I just waved (laughs) and pulled over. There was a 
turn out there, and I pulled over. I'm sweating, and I'm upset. And I wave as the other two guys drive by. (laughs) Had I not been a believer, the Sarks was really alive, I probably would have been more like a Hawaiian greeting. (laughs) So I don't use all those fingers. I don't do that anymore. Uh, I know about it, though. So he let all the traffic by, and he made his little turn. He was on the other side, and he pulled in behind me. I had everything ready, the window down, all the stuff. I'm, I'm obedient that way. I had my head down. He, he came up, and I said, do what you need to do. I was totally in the wrong. He said, well, I did pull you over because you were going a little fast. I thought, he didn't pull me over. I pulled me over. But uh, Sarks was competing in there. I said, no. I said, uh, those guys really got to me. I said, they pushed me for two miles, and then when I slowed down from the pass, they boxed me in, and I just didn't want to play. And I said, I just I made the wrong choice. So you do what you have to do. I'm totally in the wrong. He said, okay. He went back to his car. He was gone for a while. Scared him because I was sweating so bad. He hopped out of the car, took my outer shirt off, and he hopped out of his car like, hey, hey, hey. I said, what? He goes, we don't usually have people get out of their cars. I said, I'm hot. <laughs> I'm thinking my shirt, what am I going to do, run into the woods? I, said, I actually said that to him. I said, I'm not going to run in. I'm not going to run away. It's just hot. Okay. I'll get back in. Yeah, back in. He came up, and he's holding my license, and he says, well, I see you're having a birthday. You've got it right there. You know, Having a birthday this week. I said, yeah. He said, well, happy birthday. He said, let's, let's go a little slower, and let's not let those guys get to us anymore. I said, I shook his hand, and I said, you're really a blessing, <laughs> and I thank you. I said, I don't deserve this. I know that, and you know that, but I, I do appreciate it. Now, how are we going to tie that into the message? I don't know. We'll get it, though. We'll find a way. We'll crowbar it in there. Actually, we don't have to work too hard, do we? The old man loves to come to life. And, and the soul remembers a lot of what we used to do. And it's still programmed in there. But everything is spiritual if I am. And I yield to whichever spirit, whichever bit of control, I do have a choice. You have a choice to say, Holy Spirit, live through me. The mystery of the gospel that we talked about here in Colossians, which is in chapter 1. I mean, Paul got right out of the shoot with it. In verse 26 of chapter 1 said, The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. This mystery is not a mystery anymore. Paul was given the ministry, along with the other apostles, of making it known and declared to us. It's no longer a mystery. We read about it in those terms. They said, here's the mystery revealed, Christ living in you. It's no longer you trying to live up to a set of rules that the law orders and failing all the time and coming up short. 
is no longer you trying your best to live by the old programming and make God happy. It's about you and I relaxing and understanding like Camden. I was born at this table. I was transplanted into this table. I have a new life because of of somebody adopted me. God adopted me into his family in the spirit of adoption. The Holy Spirit in us cries out, Abba, Father, my dear Papa, my God and my Savior. And I sit at his table now and I eat my Cheerios and toast and I pray. You pray because things are different. We're living in a supernatural, God-driven, spirit-led kingdom that is inside the kingdoms of the earth but does not rule over us. And we do not have to let it rule over us. We simply yield to our new birth. We say, Christ in me is the hope of glory. There are lots of attempts at this verse, and I like my own, of course, because I'm that way, but I like it to say it this way. Christ's, the only hope of God being glorified in the earth is Christ living out through me. Christ in you is the hope of glory. There's a lot more to that verse, but I like to focus there personally because I realize immediately that as you and I have been set together into the body of Christ and we've become his representatives in the earth, the Bible says we're his hand-picked ambassadors. We've been dressed and clothed by God and pressed into the world as ambassadors. Ambassadors go to foreign countries, right, and represent the country they're from. The Bible says we're strangers and pilgrims walking through this place. We're only living in tents and temporary dwellings. We're looking for a different city. We're going someplace else. We're not staying here forever. Amen? And when you look at your house, you go, amen. I'm glad I don't have to live here forever. Tired of fixing this place up. The hope of God being glorified in the earth is that Jesus lives out through the church. Ephesians 3.10 says that now the the multifaceted wisdom of God is put on display by the church. God's multifaceted wisdom. Do you see a diamond in your mind? Multifaceted wisdom. And it doesn't matter which angle you look at that from. There's another facet to look at of God's immense wisdom is going to be put on display in front of principalities and powers. So have you seen this verse? Ephesians 3.10. This is that mystery part again. Verse 8. To me, who am less than the least of all saints, Paul writes, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God, the multifaceted wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. It, the church is to put on the display to principalities and powers of the opposing kingdom and the kingdom of God the Bible says that angels, the angels of God, love looking into, they look, they're almost in a jealousy situation because they look and they go, oh, you guys get to be saved. We get it. You humans, you get elective. We're created beings. We just do what we're created to do. But you 
have this marvelous thing called salvation where you get to move from one kingdom to the other. You get to choose to be in God's household of faith. And it says the angels look into that and they marvel at it. You're special. Your design is by God. Camden's design, God had something in mind. God intervened. And said, no, this one's going to live in my house. This one's going to receive the spirit of adoption. And we were talking earlier in the hallway. I hope I'm not out of school, but uh, Bill and Carrie just added their fifth by adoption. I know Rob and Shannon have been through classes looking at adoption. I hope I'm putting some impetus into that for you today. If, if you would want to. I know it's a ticklish situation, but is there anyone here that's adopted into your family? My oldest brother is adopted. I think I've told the story here that at one point in my adolescence, he beat me up, threw me down the stairs. And I got mad at him and told him how I felt about it And at 10. And he yelled back, where do you find out I'm adopted? And I thought it was such a sorry excuse for beating me up. And, and I mean, what do you think of next? Tell your little brother, I'm adopted, you know. Later that night, we had a family meeting. We found out he was adopted. And I looked at him, I said, it doesn't matter. You were here first. You're the oldest brother. It doesn't matter. You're in the family before me. I can't disown you. I don't want to. See, once you're translated into the kingdom of God, and once you're, once you're transplanted out of the kingdom of darkness, planted into the kingdom of the son of his love, once you've received the spirit of adoption, you've cried, Abba, Father, and your spirit is made alive in Christ, you don't get unadopted. You're in the family. Isn't, and this is one of the interesting parts of the family of God is to look at us. I mean, some of us have been doing this together for a while, right? Following Jesus together. And you have to be careful where I look at this point because I would say it's, I'll look at the ceiling. <laughs> some of us would go, how did I ever get stuck with that person? How did I get ever friends with them? I mean, because we're not all alike. I mean, I'm particularly goofy. Right? And I thought this morning, it's a good thing I'm preaching my first message after 60. Because I can talk. Because the hearing part doesn't work as well. Hmm? (laughs) So at least I can still talk, but I can't hear that good. But we look at how God assembles us one next to the other. You know, the arm and the elbow and the parts of the body, First Corinthians 12. He connects us up, and we learn how to love one another like family, even better than family. If your situation is at all like mine, I'm much closer to the brothers and sisters in the body of Christ at times than I am to my natural family. That's just an interesting experience. Why? Because our spirits witness with each other that we're the children of God. And if our family members in the natural are not born again, our spirit doesn't have that same witness with them, and there's a different kingdom in charge. So we much rather fellowship inside the kingdom of faith with one another and be able to say every day, say it with me, everything is spiritual if I am. And I sense it. I don't always understand it, but I feel it. My spirit, man, has been born again. My spirit is alive in Christ. And I delight in the things of the kingdom. 
And when, when God comes into my life, into yours, it's interesting. It happens that quick. Jesus come in, boom. And then we spend the rest of our lives figuring it out, learning about it. I've told the story many times after I got saved at Jack in the Box. And I cursed my next streak of curse words that I immediately knew that was something wrong with that. Like that shouldn't happen. But I didn't know why. I just felt different. Well, then later you find scriptures that say, you know, don't let any of this stuff come out of your mouth and let's let the Holy Spirit be in charge of things and, and that sort of thing is offensive to God. It's, oh, well, that's because he was alive in me. It was offensive to me. It was offensive to him. I didn't need to do that anymore. I didn't need to try and impress anybody with my foul language. I needed to come into alignment with my born-again spirit that says we love not to do that. But the Holy Spirit was teaching already because he was alive in me. He wasn't coming from the outside saying, hey, don't do that. He was inside saying, we don't do that. Your new nature doesn't do that. It's unnecessary. It's unhealthy. It's not good for you. The conviction of the Holy Spirit alive in me. What else does he bring? Galatians chapter 5. This is not an unfamiliar passage for most of us, but in verse 22 says, the fruit of the Spirit is, now before we, I'll let you get to Galatians chapter 5, and I'll just say this. We have, this time of year, many of us have some fruit. If the hail didn't get you last week, uh, your garden's still somewhat intact. Or It's funny, my brother's apple tree just stripped the leaves off the tree, and I could see all of his apples. <laughs> They're not hidden in there anymore. Now the birds are going to get them for sure. But that fruit just grows on those limbs. I don't ever hear the tree grunting out there. <clears throat> Let's work at this. It just does it. The thing that amazes me are those zucchinis and some of the squash. You know, you go one day, there's a little flower. You come back the next day, and it's <laughs> the thing is there. You go, where did that come from? Or, or the, this tree we have in our backyard. I still don't know what the name of it is, but I pruned it back this year, and it just looks like it's dead all the time. And then you walk out one morning and there's a new limb and it maybe is two feet long. When did that happen? I used to walk through here easily. Now I have to move this branch. Where did it come from? It's natural. Fruit is natural. Fruit is spiritual. I'm saying we don't just decide one day, okay, I'm going to love people. I'm really going to work at loving people. Well, you can do that. You can, you know, have some impetus and thought and soulish, at the soulish level. You can say, my mind will emotion. I'm going to decide to love people. But you don't have the capacity to love people. You really don't, right? The Sarks wakes up and says, no, we don't love people. We race people. (laughs) We outrun them. Funny, one of the young guys in the church had a post on his Facebook said, I was in a race the other day, and I, and I won until we got across the first intersection. We started at the light, and I was ahead of him all the way, but at the end of the intersection, he was ahead of me. He says, you know, you can only, it was a Prius, and I can only walk so fast. <laughs> no doubt that thought was in my mind when I looked out of my driver window and saw the Prius. I'm sure that thought was in there. I can outrun that thing. He can't pedal any faster. The fruit. 
it comes properly from the from from the life of God in you. I, there's, I, I would love to say this perfectly. I don't think I can, so I'll fumble it up two or three times in different ways. But I don't. I don't ever get up in the morning. Ladies, you can do this differently, but I can't. I don't get up and say my hair color is going to change today. I'm just going to think about it. I mean, uh, by the end of the day, I'm going to be a redhead. You know, I, I, it doesn't work that way. It just grows. Fortunately, <laughs> it still grows. I don't ever talk to my fingernails or my limbs or the cells that are reproducing. Did you know that seven years ago you were a completely different person? You know that all of the cells in your body change. All of them. Every seven years. You're not the same person you used to be. Literally. But they've passed their DNA along. So they all you still look the same. It's very appropriate that if the life of God is in me and you, and everything's spiritual, if I am, that the fruit appears. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, Gentleness, self-control, against such there is no law. These things should flow from us. Why? Because we're born again by the Spirit who brings with him his DNA and deposits his DNA into my life and into your life. Wow. I have this rebel over here on one hand named Jeff, born into the natural. And he's got a dead spirit. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1, he's dead in the spirit. But he's got a body and a soul that's been taking directives for years. And it acts a certain way and pleases itself all the time. Pleases himself, that's all he cares about. Even though he might seem to love others and want to have a relationship, it's really all about him. And then one day he finds out that that sinful man needs to repent before God and come back into true unity with the creator who made him. And the spirit of God comes from the other side. And I know we're recording, so this making gestures in here doesn't work on a recording very well, audio. But the spirit of God comes and brings regeneration. The Bible says he is the, the power of the, that regenerates life in me, that causes me to be born again. So in being born again, just like when a man and a woman come together and create a new child, my old me comes together with the living God and creates a brand new person. Now, 2 Corinthians 5.17 bears that out, says I'm a new creation in Christ, not a rehashed, remade, overdone, refashioned person. It says all things are made new. And in that moment, I am born again. I'm an infant. Peter said to the church, as sincere babies, as as babies in God, desire the sincere milk of the word of God. You're starting over. It doesn't matter if you're 20, 10, 50, 90. You're a baby in an instant. 
And in an instant, love, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness, faith, self-control are the new DNA of my life. I get to act different because it's coming from inside, not because I put it on from the outside. I'm conformed to the image of Christ from inside because Christ in me is the hope of glory. And now everything, even though I'm an infant, is spiritual if I am. This new life, all I got to do now is start living it out and understanding it more. Reading the Word of God brings life to my spirit. Fellowshipping with God brings life to my spirit. And I get to overwrite all the old programs. And just about the time I think I'm done, I get a birthday present from Officer Stevens <laughs> to remind me that there's a little leftover in there somewhere that still needs to come under the discipleship of Jesus. How do I get that? You know what? Let me demonstrate this way before we close. For me, because I'm a mouth in the body of Christ, <laughs> I stand up and talk. I be transparent with you. I'm, I'm open with you. I tell those stories about myself. You look at me and laugh because of your humanity. I try to sneak that in on you. That was a low blow. You laugh because you recognize and you associate and you agree with me. Boy, do I have my times like that too. And by being transparent, I'm actually living in community. I'm not trying to hide it. I'm not going to say, hey, all my life is perfect. See, all you can see is the Bible. No, I'm saying, hey, I'm broken too, and I'm being rebuilt. And one day it's not going to be necessary. I'm going to be with him forever with you. But here we can talk back and forth and say, hey, I'm kind of a mess up. How about you? (laughs) Pray for me. Confess your sins one to another. Pray for one another that you might be healed. Where else are we going to get this healing? Where else are we going to be repaired from our traumatic experiences in life? By dwelling together in community, by being honest with one another. Please, don't be honest, you know, brutally honest with everyone. That's not the design. (laughs) Walking down the street telling everybody all your failures, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says you ought to have a couple of intimate friends, people that you can just share your life with. People that, you know, they write the friends books about. Friends are people who know you really well and still like you, right? Friends are people that know all your faults and stick around. Your community in Christ are the people who are not supposed to be shocked by your fallen nature when it shows up. They're supposed to go, oh, my gosh, it's your week. Mine was last week. Let's pray for you. Let's love you. Let's let the fruit of the Spirit minister to you. And we can't do that here this morning. It's really one way, isn't it? I talk and you listen. And you, Some of you during the time I talked would, would have loved to take me outside and say, you need help, Brother Jeff. I'm going to pray for you, man. I I just sense you need a brother right now. And it's true. I say, well, I'll drive. And you'd say, no, no, that's okay. I'll drive. (laughs) Because you recognize my failure. I have a new DNA. You have a new DNA. There's a system that has been put in place by God. And everything is spiritual now. Fathers, mothers, husbands, wives, Widows, widowers, children, employees, employers. You all have a new DNA wherever you're at. 
Christ in you, the hope of God being glorified in the earth is you living out that new spiritual life. Fumble it up all you can. Make mistakes all day long. But constantly say, Holy Spirit, live through me. Not try harder. Let the God who built you lead you into the flow of his life and see how easy it can be. Yes, it'll be conflict because of the old writings, the old computer inputs, the old scripts that have been in your life at the soulish level. Your mind, your will, and your emotions are pressed by other things. I mean, we can call them triggers or things that set you off. You know, you, you know what yours are, you know, the buttons that people push. <clears throat> Those buttons are still connected to some old programming. They push that button, and boy, the soul charges the, the body. The suke speaks to the soma, and everything's ready to go the old way. And the spirit says, wait, 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 wait a minute. Don't do that. And the conviction of the Holy Spirit inside says, no, we don't do that anymore. That's not how we respond in this situation. You go, I always respond that way. He said, well, I don't. And I'm in charge. And the soul can say, yes, Jesus, you be in charge. And this will come out way better. In fact, they probably won't go to jail. (laughs) That's a hopeful thought. Okay, have I made some sense? Have I at least given you the sentence that will remind you from time to time when the Holy Spirit says, oh, yeah, everything's spiritual because you are. You're not the same old person anymore. You're not deriving your life source from you or from your parentage. You're deriving your life source from the old person you were joined with the Spirit of God. And the new creation is who you are today. I know you look in the mirror and you say, I kind of still look the same. I maybe even dress the same. But how many of you noticed that some things have changed about the way you used to be? and the way you are now. That's God at work. That's him glorifying himself in the earth through you. And when you go to work, if you're working, and you go to work, please remember that. Because now you are his hand extended into the world and into the workplace. Moms in your home, remember this. You're the demonstration of God's truth to your children. Dads, take time. To love your kids as God would love them because you are the expression of his life inside the home. Do you see how it fits? It applies all the time in every situation. Christ in you is the hope of glory. And please, I I remind myself how much we need this word, this word of God. Jesus said in John 6.63, the words that I speak to you, they are life. If I don't have this book and I don't know the contents of this book, I don't get that life. It doesn't come from any other source. It's not available from a Bible study. It's not available from another book. You know, I had three books piled up next to my Bible getting ready for this message, and I was finding things that I knew were in these books, and and I was writing them in. and, And just last night I said, Father, I'm sorry. I really don't need those books. I need this book. That's what we need today. We need the Word of God. The books aren't bad. The books have great content. But I just 
put them in a little stack and I set them over here. And I said, listen, Father, okay with you. I'm going to leave. I choose to leave those books there. Let's go with yours. Because the words you speak are life to all who find them. Lord, thank you for adopting us into your family. Thank you for transplanting us out of a kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. From the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of the son of your love. Holy Spirit, thank you for giving us regeneration and new birth so that we can accurately and pleasantly cry out, Abba, Father. We can say to you, Papa, you love me. We can sit at your table and pray and understand that we live in a new kingdom and that everything has changed. Everything is different and everything is spiritual because you live within us. Open our eyes, open our heart, open our spirit to see the differences just this week that come because of what you've done in us. Holy Spirit, we pray and we invite you to manifest your fruitfulness through us. Jesus, as you said, you were the vine, we're the branches. Let us be the branches this week, dwelling and abiding in you and seeing your life flow through us, bringing life to us and through us to others. Help us to bring our body under subjection. Give us your strength and your ability and your grace to live it out and to enjoy the benefits of being in your kingdom. Lord, remind us when we're antithetical, when we're up against the world and its culture and its structures and its schematic, and we're pressing in a, against it and it's fighting against us, help us to see it. That's because we don't fit in that kingdom anymore. We don't flow with it very well. Show us how to respond in that moment. And Father, I pray like the Apostle John told us that you would train us by your spirit in each one of us how to love one another, really sincerely loving one another and help us to fulfill the law and overcome our failure by loving you and loving one another. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, and I don't do this very often, I just want to extend this opportunity in this moment to say to this group, if you came today and you were unsure, and you're unsure right now whether or not you're really born again, as Jesus said, that you have really accepted the truth that Jesus loves you. You've been nudging up against it and you came here today still thinking about it, but you can't say for sure that if you were to die today that you would go to heaven. You just are uncertain. Would you just let me know that by putting your hand up so that I could pray for you? Is anyone here this morning that needs to be certain that heaven is your future, that you're Relationship with Christ is secure. Anyone? Okay. Then I'm going to invite you to pray with me right now, right where you're sitting. And church, be praying for us too. 
with your hand extended to God, would you just pray this prayer to him? And I'll just lead it. Say, Lord Jesus, I confess to you my uncertainty. I don't know that if I died today, I would go to heaven with you. I recognize that I've failed you and I've sinned against you and that I've hurt you. I pray that you will forgive my sin today. Remove it far from me. I ask you, please, in Jesus' name, come into my life and give me this new birth that was talked about here today. Bring life to my spirit again. Help me this day to be born again in you. I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry for hurting you. But I want to live in harmony with you from now on. I confess today, Jesus, that you are Lord and that you are my Lord now. That you are my Savior. And I will live with you and for you from this day forward. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me today. Put a hunger in my heart for your words and fill me with the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.